turn, please, to Hebrews chapter 9, uh, the book of Hebrews chapter 9. We're going we're gonna to do a short review, short review, Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, Hebrews 9 and verse 1. Now, as most of you know, this is another double header, as they say, a double session. We go to about 6, but we'll have about halfway through a kind of a stand-up sing break, and then... Uh, Part number two, and then somewhere around six with a nice meal to follow. Having said that in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 1. Then verily the first covenant had also ordinances of divine service and a worldly sanctuary. For there was a tabernacle made. So we come to the New Testament's commentary on what happened in the Old Testament with Israel a tabernacle was made. As we mentioned last night, and what we're going to do at this point is start to pull back some curtains, the door of the holy place, so those seated in other places will get a better view. We're also going to pull back uh, the side wall of the tabernacle and even the veil that gave you access or blockaded, really, the entrance where the ark was, where God's presence was, into the holiest of holies. Now, as we remarked last night, the word tabernacle simply means a tent, a tent. But it actually means more than that. It's a double word. We have the whole picture up here for those of you that can see it. It's a tent where somebody lived. That somebody was the living God. God coming to earth in the first formal place he ever dwelt with was with Israel. As he said in Exodus 25, 8, Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them. And so it was a sanctuary, a holy place, that the living God would be in so he could be in the very midst of his people as they traveled in their tents under their promised inheritance. Now, as we remarked last night, this model you're looking at is scaled down and scaled down even more because of the shortness of this particular building. Normally, the sanctuary that we have is two-thirds size. But because we had to even scale that down, the holy place I'm standing in here is only one-half size, and this is two-thirds size here, the holiest. Of course, the courtyard is greatly compressed. However, the furniture, those seven pieces of furniture we alluded to last night, are virtually life-size. When, when the Bible gives measurements in cubits, this was the size of a table of showbread. That was the size of the golden altar of incense. That was the size of the ark, and there were the cherubim on top of it. It gives no dimensions for the lampstand, the one source of light. It gives no dimensions for that. It would have something to do with human height, however. And out here in the courtyard, uh, we have the laver. It gives no dimensions for this water basin, this washing bowl. Uh, but then when it comes to uh, uh, the brazen altar of sacrifice, it's seven and a half feet square. So we had to scale it down. <laughs> we wouldn't even get it here. So we knew most buildings could not handle seven and a half feet, so this is scaled down to about four or something. But it gives you an idea, at least some of them are virtually life-size. Now, as we remarked last night in God's dwelling place in His house, uh, it served a purpose. Let's remind ourselves of that in verse 9, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 9, which was a figure for the time then present, or some translations for the present time, which was a figure. That word figure, we reminded you, is the Greek word for parable, which was a parable. You know what a parable is? Huh? 
an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And I know we know that Jesus told parables when he was on earth. He told a lot of parables, but that's not the only parables in the Bible. There's this very big one in the Old Testament called the tabernacle, which was a figure, a parable. It's a word picture. It is an earthly model, but it has a heavenly meaning. So you want to understand that and look for the heavenly meaning. But it only was in effect for a temporary amount of time. This isn't God's way, this physical way here that your church should look at like today. In fact, if your church looks like this, you can see a priest and you can see sacrifices and holy water and incense, uh, you're behind times. You're behind times. Because this was only temporary. Look here at verse 10. Hebrews 9 and verse 10. Which stood only in meats and drinks and divers, washings and carnal ordinances imposed on them until the time of Reformation. That the earthly system here was imposed on Israel until the time of something called the Reformation. And Reformation here is not Martin Luther. Reformation is verse 11. And here's who it pictures. Verse 11, Hebrews 9, But Christ being come, and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. It is a picture, it was a parable of Christ who has come. We have the reality now, so we don't need to function in the literal picture anymore. But it serves as an example and shadow of heavenly things, Hebrews 8.5. So that you can't see heaven. You don't see the protocol up there. But if you look at this earthly model, it is designed to be a parable, a word picture of the heavenly reality. A shadow, an example of heavenly things. We can't see heaven, but you can look at this and get the idea of the reality in Jesus Christ our Lord. So having said that, that is the approach we're taking that the Bible would grant us. We want you to use your hearts as the Holy Spirit uh, uh, works and, and to see where you see Christ and you see these pictures fulfilled for that's exactly what it was. Now, we reminded each other last night that it has three major sections to it. And to make it very easy for you to remember those sections, uh, they'll all start with the letter S, one word that kind of describes everything. Just like at your house, there's an outside yard most of the time, or at least a patio. And God had an outside called the courtyard. Picture it up here. For those of you who can see it, the outside part here. The outside part. Courtyard. And the main thing here, as we learned last night, was sacrifices. You know, in Hebrews 10, 11, it says, Every priest, priest standeth daily, ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices. And so the main thing out here was sacrifices. And we spent some time last night showing that if you wanted your sins forgiven, because sin is offensive to God, and an animal without blemish had to die. Something that never did anything wrong had to die and shed its blood so you could be forgiven. And one of the prime activities out here was that ye may be clean from all your sins before the Lord. You may be clean from all your sins. And we reminded ourselves last night that when you came through that one gate, the first thing you ran into, not the table of showbread, you know, 
not the golden altar of incense, not some praise team. You ran into a bloody altar of sacrifice. God's saying, sin must be dealt with first. And it's all a picture of the precious Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus, who redeemed us without spot. And so it becomes a picture of the first thing in your life. You don't start with service. You start with salvation based on the sacrifice of Christ. And we spent some time on that last time. You want the big word here? Sacrifices for sin. But then the sanctuary itself had two rooms to it. Now, the first one that we're going to talk about a little more in a few minutes. Here's another main activity that happened in here. It's called the holy place, the first room. And go down, if you would, to verse 6. Hebrews 9 and verse 6. But now when these things were thus ordained, the priest always went into the first tabernacle, accomplishing the service of God. The first room, holy place, first tabernacle. The priest would go in here, and they would accomplish, not sacrifice, that was out there, the service of God. And so God is interested in our service, the service of God. But catch the order of God's parable. Sacrifice for sin first, service next. Okay, service next. And so it doesn't start with, if I serve God, He just might take my sins away. No, I need my sins taken away first before I ever come toward His holy presence. For in here, it's service, the service of God. And then something we'll talk more about tomorrow, we alluded to it last night, is the second area of His house, room number two, uh, look here in chapter 9 and verse uh, 7, or verse 3. Make it chapter 9 and verse 3. And after the second veil, the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all. This was the first uh, door, but now the second veil takes us to room number 2, and it's called the holiest of all. It's where the ark was. You know why it's called the holiest? That's where God lived. See that cloud of fire there? That's right here. He told Moses in Exodus 25, 22, speaking of the ark and those cherubim, they act as guardians. This is a forbidden area. This closed veil said to keep out. Even the regular priests couldn't go and say, well, here I am, God. They'd drop over dead. That you die not, Aaron was told. And so there's a way to approach God, but what Moses was told God told Moses in Exodus 25, 22, there, above the ark, between the cherubim, there will I meet with thee, there will I commune with thee or speak with thee. It is where God spoke. You could hear the speaking of God. Intimate communion, sacrifice here, service here, God speaking here. And that is some of the main activity of each of the three places. Now, that, that is a review from some introductory thoughts last night. And we did spend some time out here showing how a blood sacrifice could take away sin, which points to the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. So what we want to begin to do in the first session this afternoon is find ourselves that the priest would come into this holy place, we already read it in Hebrews 9, 6, to accomplish the service of God, not the service of man the service of God. And here you would have priestly ministry on planet earth in a little 30 feet piece of real estate here called the holy place, room number one. And on that little piece of real estate in a world that did not, the service of God was accomplished. I want to look tonight at what is the service of God this afternoon. 
But we want to begin with, if the priest would go in here, what qualified a priest to go in here? Did you just say, I'd like to be a priest, I want to serve God, and then I come? No, you don't. There is quite a ceremony that we're going to study that qualified someone, once they had a sacrifice, that they they could dare have the right to come into the holy place and accomplish the service of God. Now, we've been saying that what happened in here is different than what happened out here. You can even see it visually. Using your eyes, every piece of furniture out here is made of bronze or brass. Altar of sacrifice, laver, we get our word lavatory, washing basin, that's both brass. Did you notice a change when you come into the holy place? Every piece of furniture is overlaid with gold. This is pure gold, the candlestick. And so it goes from brass to gold. This will speak of the humiliation, the judgment of the Lord Jesus when he was on earth, his crucifixion, but he rose again. This is going to speak of the exaltation of the Lord Jesus. You know, Hebrews 1.3 says, when he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. And so he not only died, he didn't stay in the grave, he's on the right hand of the majesty on high. You know something else as you look at this furniture? See these things on the table of showbread? You know what it is? It's a crown. It's called a crown. There's one on this piece too. The golden altar of incense. If you look into the holiest and the mercy seat there, you're going to see it again in the ark. Another crown. You look out here and you see no crowns. Again, this is the humiliation of Christ. His earthly ministry and sacrifice. This, he's crowned. He's on the right hand of the throne of the majesty on high. This is his exaltation. Now, there's some other differences. Out here, you function by natural sunlight. You see it here on the chart? Courtyard, just a natural light. In here, it's enclosed. I I know we have it cut away for you, but it was all enclosed like a tent, and there was only one source of light. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. There was one source of light. Out here, you had natural light, And here you had a special design light by God. Out here, the big thing is forgiveness of sins. We talked about it last night. The blood of the spotless animal was shed so it would be forgiveness. No animal ever died in here. It's not forgiveness here. It's fellowship. It's fellowship. Out here, it was confession of sin. Person had to lay their hand. There was a confession of sin. There is no confession in here. It's going deeper. It is communion with God. God wants us to go deeper with Him. Out here, it was atonement. The atonement we learned last night is to cover, to hide something so you can't see it. The atonement of sin. In here is the appreciation of the glory and the beauty and so on. So what is happening here, that once you leave this part, the priest, you are going deeper with God. You know, in the Olympics, they have a saying to the athletes, go for the, go for the gold. You know, that applies here. It is first you have to be saved. The gospel is that first Christ died for your sins. But once you're saved, does God want you just to stop there? Well, I'm saved. I'll end up in heaven. No, no. He saved you to accomplish the service of God. And He wants you and I to go for the gold. And in this sanctuary, room number one, the holy place, we're going to learn about the service of God. The service of God. 
that, that the church of God is not just something just for the unbeliever. It is for the service of God when you get to the New Testament. Now, I've given you some differences, but I want to show you a difference in the Bible itself between the outside, what happened out here, and what happens in room number one, the holy place, the service of God. So what I'd like you to do, if you have your Bible, is go to Ezekiel 44, please. Ezekiel 44. The Old Testament prophet Ezekiel, and chapter 44. If anyone thinks they can get a better view, we do have uh, almost two rows of seat up here that might help you see better. You're free to move if you want to. Ezekiel chapter 44. Now, Ezekiel 44 is speaking of a future day when, when there'll be a temple in the kingdom of God. It's going to describe it. But in describing it, it describes things that were always true of God's house. So having said that, I take you to verse 11. Ezekiel 44 and verse 11. The prophet says, is told this, Yet they shall be ministers in my sanctuary, having uh, charge at the gates of the house and ministering to the house. They shall slay the burnt offering and the sacrifice for the people, and they shall stand before them to minister unto them. There was a group of Levites that in this coming day, their ministry is for the people. When the people would bring their sacrifices, they would help skin it. They would help cut off the pieces so the priest could put it on the altar. And they would minister or serve to the house of Israel. They will help the people. So out here in the courtyard, as we just read in verse 11 of Ezekiel 44, uh, that they minister unto them or for the people. So, you know, there is a legitimate ministry today in the Christian faith for the people. People need to hear the gospel, don't they? How shall they hear without a preacher? They need to hear the gospel of how to be saved. And then Christians, once they're saved, the Bible teaches we need to be established in the faith. And so we have our needs and need to understand relationships and sometimes we're hurt and all these things. There is a legitimate ministry for the people. And that is the main activity out here. And it is important. But we must not forget as we read on, that's not the only ministry. There is ministry for the people. And some are going to do that. But now go down further, if you would, in Ezekiel 44. And now look at verse 15. A group of priests now have a higher privilege. Verse 15. But the priests, the Levites, the sons of Zadok, that kept the charge of my sanctuary, when the children of Israel went astray from me, they shall come near to me to minister unto me. And they shall stand before me to offer unto me the fat and the blood, saith the Lord God. Now verse 16. They shall enter into my sanctuary. These priests will now enter into my sanctuary, holy place, room number one. Look at verse 16. And they shall come near to my table. Talk about that later. They shall come near to my table and, the, and minister unto me, to minister unto me, and they shall keep my charge. Have you just seen two types of ministry? Ministry for the people... And ministry, God says to me, to the heart of God. Whatever happened in here is not the service of men, it's the service of God. And may the Lord help you and I 
to understand that in the Christian faith, there is ministry to the people, and we need to do that. But if you stop there, you have not gone for the gold. You enter into God's holy place called the, the temple, the church of God today in 1 Corinthians 3.16. And you go deeper and minister. Not everything's for people. God doesn't forget people. But minister to me. Minister to me. Now, we're going to develop this afternoon, Lord willing, as we spend a lot of time in here, and tomorrow we'll be in there for a good bit of time. We're going to see what that ministry is. But what we want to deal with in this first session is what qualified a priest to actually minister unto God. How could you come into this holy place? You say, well, it must have been education. It wasn't education at all. It is consecration. Being made clean. Being made holy. Man's way is education. Well, if you have enough education, then you can be involved in the church. No, no, no. It is consecration. And what we want to learn is a picture of the reality. How could a priest dare walk into the holy place and accomplish the service of God? I want to take you to the story, the historical record, to see the picture first in Exodus chapter 29. Exodus chapter 29. Exodus 29. Now at this time, I'm, we're going to bring the priest out so you can get a better look at him. He's going to come to my right here. As you go to Exodus chapter 29. Keep it in mind that Israel's first priest from the tribe of Levi, his name was Aaron. Aaron. And his sons were the regular priest. He was the high priest, and his sons were the regular priest. Can I get a couple more inches here? Or are we stuck? Okay. And chapter 29, we're not going to go into every detail, is the story of what consecrated Aaron and his sons, the priesthood, to function so they could not only function out here, so they could come into the holy place and accomplish the service of God and draw near to God and minister to Him. And it won't be education, it's consecration. So, so let's look at some of the key things that happened and see if it will remind you of anything like a parable does. So Exodus 29 and verse 1, verse 1. And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them, to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest office. All right, they're going to, Aaron and sons are going to function in the priest office. What has to happen? You say, well, they've got to be voted in. No, they don't. Uh, they've got to get an A plus on seminary exam. No, they don't. It's, look at what has to happen. Verse 1, take one young bullock and two rams without blemish. And unleavened cakes, unleavened tempered with oil, and wafers, and unleavened oil anointed with oil of wheat and flour, uh, thou shalt make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket, and bring them into the basket with the bullock and the two rams. Verse 4 of Exodus 29. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wash them with water. The big step number one is they would come to the door... And they would get a bath from head to foot. Thou shalt wash them with water. And I'll just simulate it here. And they're just washed completely with water. And so they come to the door, which is right here. And thou shalt wash them with water. 
Remember we said out here it's all about cleansing. Last night, we talked about you may be clean from all your sins, and that was a cleansing by blood. Not only in the Bible is there a cleansing by blood, there is a washing or cleansing by water. Now let me illustrate the difference. We use the word this way today. Say uh, you go to get a job and they check your record, and they find you haven't paid a whole bunch of parking tickets. You got arrested once, and they will tell you, your record is not clean. What do they mean when they say, your record is not clean? They don't mean there's dirty smudges on it, do they? Fingerprints. <laughs> they mean there's outstanding violations that, that need to be punished. And so you don't have a clean record book. Well, that, that is the way that God uses cleanliness here, that sin is on our record book, and it has to be forgiven, it has to be taken away, and the only thing that does it is a perfect sacrifice, which is Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. But there is another type of cleansing. Let me use this example. Say the preacher's coming over for dinner, you know. And you, you tell the children, you know, this is a special occasion, and uh, you can't come to the dinner table uh, with dirt all over you. Yeah, you say, go clean yourself. You've got to be clean. Now what do you mean you've got to be clean? You don't mean their record book has violations on it. You mean they've got to make themselves presentable for the occasion. You're invited to a state dinner. You will clean up and dress up to make yourself presentable for the occasion. This type of cleansing that happened at the water was never to take away sin. It was to make the priest presentable to come in here. And so the Bible is going to speak of being cleansed by the blood of Christ and made clean by the water of His Word, where He pronounces you clean for God. We'll talk about that a little more later. It's called cleansing by blood and cleansing by water. So when this water happened, it wasn't taking away his sin. It was making him presentable because God is holy. It was cleaning him, presentable for the occasion here of serving God. But not only did he get a bath in water, the priesthood that day, something else happened. They were to get animals, and there had to be bloodshed, as you know. And uh, let me break in here at verse 15, Exodus 29 and verse 15. Thou shalt take also one ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands on the head of the ram, and thou shalt slay the ram, and thou shalt take his blood, and sprinkle it round about the altar. And thou shalt cut the ram in pieces, and wash the inwards of him and his legs, and put them in pieces unto his head. And thou shalt burn them the whole ram upon the altar. It is a burnt offering unto the Lord. It is a sweet savor or aroma, an offering made by fire unto the Lord. Now watch verse 19. And thou shalt take the other ram, and Aaron and his son shall put their hands upon the head of the ram. They're identifying with it. Verse 20. Then thou shalt kill the ram, and take the blood, and put the blood on the tip of the right ear of Aaron, and upon the tip of the right ear of his sons, and upon the thumb of their right hand, and upon the great toe of their right foot, and sprinkle the blood upon the altar round about. So again, a spotless animal would die. And there would be blood put on this sacrificial altar and around about it, as we've already learned. But then he was to go to the priesthood, Aaron and his sons, and he was to put it on the right ear, sprinkled on the right ear. And then he was to put it on the right thumb. And then 
on the right toe, large toe. You know what he was? He was just sprinkled for blood from head to foot. His mind, his actions, his walk, he was just sprinkled with blood from head to foot. So not only did he have to be washed in water because God is holy and we're sinful, he had to be sprinkled with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. But then something else had to happen. Oh, it's not education. It's consecration. You look here, if you would, at verse 21. Verse 21. And thou shalt take of the blood that is upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and his sons. So there was still more blood, and as pretty as these garments look, they're going to be bloodstained. I mean, it's going to go all over his garments now. So it's just not on certain portions of his body, and we're just illustrating here, it's going to be on his garments. So he is sprinkled with blood, but now we come to the subject of the anointing oil. The anointing oil was used in the Bible to authenticate you, to qualify you to serve for God. Just like a diploma does at schools. God, when you're of God, you had to be anointed. That's why the word Christ in Jesus means the anointed one. He's officially of God. So look what happened to this oil in verse 21 again. And thou shalt take of the blood of the, upon the altar and of the anointing oil and sprinkle it upon Aaron and upon his garments and upon his sons and upon the garments of his sons with him. And he shall be hallowed in his garments and his sons and his sons' garments with him. So you took the anointing oil and you put it on the garments. And it also would say that you would put it on Aaron himself. So we'll just illustrate here in his sons. Take some of this anointing oil. It would end up on Aaron also and different parts of his body and his garments. And we're just illustrating there. So now, watch what happens. They're bathed in water, washed in water. They're also sprinkled with sacrificial blood from head to foot, and they're also anointed with oil. Those are the three main things that happen. Now, there's a lot of little detail that happened. Their hands were filled with bread for service and so on. But, but having said that, you go a little further in Exodus 29, and you look at verse 35. Exodus 29 and verse 35. And thus shalt thou do unto Aaron and to his sons, according to all which I have commanded thee. Seven days thou shalt consecrate them. Consecration has to do with cleanliness and authorization to serve. It's not education in the Bible. This was the picture. Now, once that happened to Aaron and his sons, and you saw somebody walk in here, you could say, who are you to walk into the holy place? He said, I'll tell you who I am. I've been washed in water. I've been sprinkled with blood. I've been anointed with oil. And that is God's criteria. That's my right to be in here. To be in the holy place. But now we come to the house of God today, and it's not this tabernacle, is it? The church of God, which is the house of the living God. 1 Timothy 3.15 And what is your right if you're saved? If you've already been forgiven of your sins and you've trusted the Lord Jesus, you start where God starts. You trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. What is your qualification to come to the temple of God today, which is His spiritual church, and come and, and not just sit and listen, and not just teach Sunday school as outreaches, but be involved in the offerings and the service of God? What qualification do you have? Hmm. Well, let's see if this teaches us anything. 
You know, now that Christ has died and rose again, when you trust in him, God sees every believer as washed. Let me show you this. Let's see this. Is it in the New Testament? Well, it is. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 5, please. The power of the death of Christ to do this to every believer. The book of Ephesians chapter 5. Take you down, first of all, to verse 25, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25. It says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the cross. That's where he shed his blood that the altar reminds us of. But now look at verse 26. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. So here's a washing of water by the Word. You see, this gospel, when you trust the Lord Jesus, God's Word, and His Word is final, pronounces you clean. Now you are clean through the Word that I've spoken to you. You're not clean because I feel clean today. Or this man over here said I'm clean. That's not going to hold you. That man could change tomorrow. But it is God that says that we are clean. He gives us His Word, His promise, that when you trust Christ, you are clean. And we are clean, sanctified, set apart for God with the washing of water by the word. Why? Well, look at the next verse, verse 27. That he might present it to himself a glorious church. That's, it makes you presentable. See, forgiving your sins saves you from hell. It saves you from judgment. It's a wonderful thing to be saved from the wrath of God from hell. It's a wonderful thing. But you know what? Cats don't go to hell either, do they? They don't. And you're on the level with a cat now. But God does more than that. He pronounces you clean so you're acceptable to Him and you can come into His presence. And that's He makes you presentable. And just like these priests were washed in water, the reality is that God's Word has pronounced us clean. Washing of water by the Word. It's called the washing of regeneration in Titus 3 and verse 5. So as a believer, I haven't had physical water scrubbed all over me, but I have had uh, pronounced clean by the Word of God. Okay? But also what happened here? Well, the sprinkling, huh? Sprinkling of the blood. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10. We'll talk about more, more about this tomorrow, Lord willing. But let's see the reality now. The realities in Jesus Christ our Lord and Hebrews chapter 10, and I think you're going to recognize some things here as we get there. Hebrews 10, and look at verse 19, what every Christian is told. Hebrews 10, verse 19, having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh, and having an high priest over the house of God, now watch verse 22, let us draw near, not stay away, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Bodies washed with pure water, hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience by the blood of Jesus, verse 19 says so that my sins are gone and I've been made presentable. This double thing has happened in the gospel. In fact, let me show it to you one more time. Go to Revelation chapter 1. 
Last book of the Bible, please. The Revelation of Jesus Christ, chapter 1. Showing an amazing verse here. And what we're going to find out here, I can follow me here. Back in Israel's day, only one out of 12 tribes got to be priests. So I'm standing next here to this priest. He's anointed. He's washed. He's sprinkled with blood. He's the priest. He has special clothing. And I'm just a regular person from the tribe of Dan. I, I, I'm not. And so he's looked at as clergy, as consecrated. I'm looked at as laity, the common people. And there was a division in Israel because God only did this to one out of 12 tribes because it was only animal's blood. So some had the right to come in here, but not everybody. But now that Christ has died, and he's done such a perfect job, whoever trusts Christ, every believer is now a priest. Not just some, men and women both. There were equally priests, so we no longer have some are like this and some are like this. This let me show you something has disappeared. And what has disappeared is laity. It's gone. <laughs> Every believer is a priest. Now watch this here in Revelation chapter one. Book of Revelation chapter one, and he's writing to the churches now. And look at verse five. Written to Christian churches. Revelation one and verse five. And from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. He's loosed you. He's washed you from our, your sins in his own blood. You know, what, you know what's true because of that? Look at the next verse. Verse 6. And hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Kings and priests. The blood of Christ has made you a priest. That's why in the Christian church we don't have special holy religious vestments because we're all priests. There's nothing to distinguish anymore. We don't have titles for men for we're all equal now. You're all brethren, Christ said in Matthew 23, 8. And so it's the blood of Christ, not education, but consecration. So that every believer, you've been born by the water, and you've also been sprinkled with the blood of Christ in a sense from head to foot, forgiven of all sin. And he looks at every believer as a priest. Okay? But you say, well, what about that anointing oil uh, that authenticated him? Well, go to 1 John 2. That's right near Revelation, right to the left of Revelation. 1 John chapter 2 to the Christian. And now look what we read here and. 1 John 2 and verse 27. Verse 27. The anointing which ye have received of him, but the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you. Ye need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teacheth you all things, and is truth, and is no lie, even as it hath taught you, ye shall now abide in him. The anointing you have received of him. He, goes on, he says it's in you. He goes on to say that's the Spirit of God. When you got saved, not only did He take your sins away, not only did He forgive you, He put something in you. Because you're a son, God has sent the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. You're official. You're a son of God because you have the life of God. Christ lives in me if you've been born again. And so you have been anointed, not with mere oil, but with the Spirit of God that abides in you. And therefore, you are a real son of God. You're official. And so, three things. Water and blood 
and the anointing oil. Oh, they were only pictures. They were only pictures. You saw what happened here. But to the Christian, we've been cleansed from the guilt of our sin by the blood of Christ. We've been washed and made presentable by the water of His Word. And we've been made official by the anointing of the Holy Spirit that every Christian has. Therefore, if you're saved, don't let anyone ever tell you that, yeah, you, you can go knock on doors and you can do this, but you can't get involved in the church today unless you have a certain degree of education. You, you meet the consecration qualifications. And you can come in and help accomplish the service of God and draw near to God and go for the gold and minister to God. It's not all about people. Yes, there's some about people, but it's not all about people. They'll minister to me. Now, having said that, before we take our first break, there's just a little more. I'm going to take you back to this laver of water. Maybe we could just push him back a bit, please. And, and this laver of water, we reminded you last night, it's where the word lavatory comes from. A water washing, a place of washing. Well, they did take a one-time bath there. They were anointed there. They were sprinkled with blood from head to foot. But that only was a one-time thing on, on Inauguration Day. Once that ceremony happened, they never had to repeat that. They didn't show up every day to get oil on them and get blood on them and get a bath of head to foot. That didn't have to happen anymore. It was a one-time thing, just like salvation is a one-time thing. But there is something that had to happen every day if they're going to continue to put their foot in here. Let me show you what happened at the labor. If you'll go to Exodus chapter 30, please. Exodus chapter 30. I showed you the one-time thing in chapter 29. Now I'm showing you the daily thing in chapter 30. You look here in Exodus 30 and verse 17. Exodus 30 and verse 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Thou shalt also make a laver of brass, and his foot also of brass, to wash withal. Laver, place of washing. Top had water, the foot also had water in it. And the purpose was not to sacrifice for sin, to wash withal. Verse 18 goes on to say, And thou shalt put it between the tabernacle of the congregation and the altar, and thou shalt put water therein. So it came second. You didn't start here, you started here. But right between here and the door stood this laver. Now look at verse 19. Verse 19. For Aaron and his sons, those are the priests, shall wash their hands and their feet thereat. When they go into the tabernacle of the congregation, they shall wash with water that they die not. Or when they come near to the altar to minister to burn offering made by fire unto the Lord. So they shall wash their hands and their feet, that they die not. It shall be a statute forever to them, even to him and his seed throughout their generations. So when the priesthood would not only offer special sacrifices, but they'd come into the tabernacle to minister to God, they would have to stop every day and wash their hands and wash their feet. Not take a whole bath, not sprinkle themselves with oil, not sprinkle themselves with blood. No, That they would hands and feet, because they'd pick up germs, and they'd pick up the dust of the desert. They'd pick up that daily defilement. And so they would have to apply the water to their hands and their feet, and then they could come in here and accomplish the service of God. Once you're saved, brothers and sisters, those of you that have been saved, 
Do you pick up any of the habits and thinking of the world as you walk around every day? Ever find that happen? Does. Uh, do we need to deal with those sins and those thoughts and those attitudes and those actions? We do if we want to serve God. We're already saved. But we need to de- we, what, we, what we don't have to do is get saved all over again. You don't have to go back and get a total bath. You don't have to get a re-sprinkling from head to foot. You don't have to get anointed with oil. That was a one-time thing. But what was not a one-time thing is hands and feet. Hands and feet. And it's just as we pick up our daily dirt, we need to come before God and see what is wrong in His Word and apply the Word of God. You know, I'm thinking of a verse in Psalm 119, verse 11. It's actually verse 9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Not cleanse his sins, cleanse your way by taking heed thereto according to thy word. As you get into the word of God, you say, oh, I see that's wrong. Oh, that's what's right. And you start to apply it. And the Bible says, because the Lord Jesus lives as your priest. In 1 John 1, 9, because he's already shed his blood. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. To cleanse you. The daily cleansing. I close with this story of Peter. Do you remember it? When the Lord was serving them and Peter says, uh, you can't wash my feet, you're the Lord. The Lord says, if I don't wash your feet, you don't have any part in me. And what Peter's answer was? Well, if it means I don't have any part in you, wash me from head to foot. Did the Lord wash him from head to foot? He said, he that is clean need not be washed again from head to foot. You don't have to have another bath except your feet. So we don't need to get re-saved if you're saved. Don't, don't fall for that. But what we do need to do, to daily defile what we've picked up with our feet in that, we need to apply the Word and see it's wrong and confess it. And He is faithful. And His Word, the water, will cleanse you from all sin to take heed according to His Word and so on. And so that is what qualified the priest to come in here and to be involved. So may you be encouraged not just to be saved, not just to show up and hear somebody, the professional, do it, not just to say, well, I do some Sunday school work, that's fine, but to say, I want to come into the sanctuary of God, which is the church today, and be involved with my gifts and whatever it means to draw near to God. I want to be involved in that. Okay? And you can be, according to God's Word. You can go for the gold. Not all about the church is for people that they may minister unto me, but He is holy. But I want, if you're qualified, you have the bold authority to come right in. Okay? Having said that, any brothers here in the assembly today that has a quick comment or question before we take our first singing break? Yes, uh, Brother Malcolm. Well, uh, Malcolm brought out where he told Peter, you have no part with me. At that time in history, the Lord had not ascended. He was still in a body, so he couldn't get in you. <laughs> so with him... Eh. But now that he's ascended, he's replaced himself with the Holy Spirit on earth who now lives in us. He said, it'll actually be better for you. (laughs) Yes. Question was, is there any parallel today for the common people? Uh, There is not because the blood of Christ has made us all priests. So the division, some things have disappeared. Let me give you an example. See this lamb? Do you need one of these today? Disappeared because behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. I don't need it. It's disappeared. The common people have disappeared because, as Peter says, you're all a holy priest. He teaches we're a holy priesthood, the blood of Christ. So if, you, if we think there's still laity and clergy, we're thinking backwards. 
We've got to keep up with the, what Christ has done. And just like animals have disappeared, the laity has disappeared, and you're all priests. Now, what we plan to do after our little singing break is actually, now if they're qualified, the priest to come in here, two things. How could they see to function? What's the light that they could see to serve God, the service of God? And what is the service of God? There's three pieces of furniture here. And maybe we'll be able to cover them in our next session. But now we'll turn it over to Brother Tim.